most Kiwis have an experience of going to the farm, whether it's the uncle's farm or friend's uncle's or whatever, and watching an animal get brutally fucking murdered. And I mean, like, brutally <laughs> fucking murdered. I remember oh. being seven years old and seeing my uncle just dragging a sheep into the shed, hanging it up on a hook, slitting its throat, opening up its belly, goddamn fetus came out, everything like that, and just running out the door and throwing up everywhere. And then fainting. Oh, and so the one scene in this film where that exactly happens to the main character, I was like, this is, this is my life. This was my life. The Epic Film Guys Podcast. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a brand new Monday episode from the Epic Film Guys Podcast. And Loy Sauce, what do you have to say for yourself? That's a lot of cum. That is... Wow. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I am absolutely thrilled, thrilled to be here. I am joined by not one, but two, two amazing guests. One of them you've heard before sometime last year, whenever we put out our 2014 retrospective. Sam Hurley from Movie Reviews in 20 Qs is here live on the show. Sam, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Nick. I'm so happy to be back. Hello, Epic Film Guys listeners. Can't wait to unleash my knowledge of an amazing film on your ear holes. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Anyway, how is your sex life? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that quote. Barely alive. It's on fucking. It's an intensive care. It's, it's got a bit of a pulse. It's barely alive. Oh my lord. Uh, well, Sam is again returning guest. He he joined us in the infamous. Like we lost JD's audio. If you remember back in that 2014 retrospective we did, and then it was literally one of the worst editing nightmares I've had in the history of the show, JD from In Session Film, who I do still adore. JD, I love you. Uh, But uh, (laughs) that was was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, Sam is here, but I'm also joined by podcasting royalty, ladies and gentlemen, also from Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. I'm the biggest, biggest fan of Liz. Liz, hi. Hello, how you doing? I am how absolutely you doing? wonderful. <laughs> Excellent. Is that because I told you that um, of all of the male uh, guest stars we've had on movie reviews and 20 Qs, you're the most likely I'd sleep with? Yep. One. <laughs> we're, we're not even going to pretend like that's not why. Uh, well, you know, I, like show, I like to satisfy. Oh my god! Listen, all Cut of the it. guests. Cut it! <laughs> all of the guests that come on Epic Film Guys should immediately start like their introduction with "You're the person that I would sleep with the most." Like you're like I win. In I would case. say though, anyone anyone who's listened to our podcast will know what a, what a <laughs> very low bar that involves. <laughs> Oh, and I'm only talking about the men because uh, I'd sleep with Stacey over you. No offense, but God. hey, Stacey. <laughs> I would definitely I sleep never with Stacey over the top of Nick. That would be great. I can never beat the ginger princess. Uh, so um, <laughs> since you are both here and uh, you are both here and you are both Kiwis. Yes, so we are. Correct. We are going to talk about a Kiwi film uh, from 2016 from director, I, some dude, what's his name? Tai, Taita something? Taika Waititi? Taika Waititi. <laughs> He's a keeper. So we are going to talk about the hunt for the wilder people. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. But Sam, Liz, can you guys give us like a brief, what is Movie Reviews and 20 Qs all about? Tell us what the show is about. Tell us why people should listen to it, which you should. I'm a patron of their show. It's amazing. And 
please listen to it. Here's why. Yes, yeah, so because uh, because I'm on it <laughs> and I'm hilarious. Liz is occasionally okay, on it. Shut up. Liz is occasionally on it. Liz, so even more recently. But anyway, uh, yeah, movie reviews and twenty cues. It is a podcast in which we take a movie and we ask twenty questions about it. These typically range from the incisive and poignant to the deep and philosophical to just the bizarre and funny. Like we try to take a sort of. I don't know, well-rounded but yet accessible view towards a movie. Um, none of us are film critics. None of us know that much about films except for me, <laughs> <laughs> as you can as you can work out listening to any of our episodes. So it's very much an entry-level but at the same time fun and enjoyable podcast. And, yeah, we just have a blast yeah. of it. You're never going to let it go that I didn't know who Christopher Nolan was, are you? <laughs> oh, no, I've lost any expectations for you a long time ago. You know, expectations just lead to disappointment, Liz, and I'd rather not be disappointed. Yeah, I you know I like to say so I've got to stop saying that. It's terrible. Now, yeah, um, I like the podcast because um, Sam gets on a range of fun guest stars, including myself, and um, yeah, it's always a good laugh. So you should definitely listen to it. I really tried last week to um, meet up with Chris Hemsworth and Zac Efron to tell them to get on it because I was up in Byron Bay, but unfortunately, I didn't see them. So we can't promise those guys, but you can promise me. So. That's all I've got. I'm pretty sure there'd be an R.I.P. Chris Hemsworth if you didn't manage to find him at some point. (laughs) Oh, man. I wish I could have got met Chris Hemsworth. (sighs) Destroyed his hammer. No one mentioned Tom Hardy during this entire episode. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're talking about all my dream men. This is amazing. It's uh, it's it's one of the most, it, it, and I know we do a movie podcast, and if you're listening to this, chances are you probably listen to some other movie podcasts, but it is one of the more unique kind of takes on a movie podcast. I've always really loved how unique it is. It's hilarious. It's offensive at times. Thank you, Machu. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's definitely really, not really safe insightful. for work. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, it, you know, it's safe. it's absolutely amazing. And I, I 100%, if you're a listener of this show, like I said, I'm a patron of their show because I love it so much. And I love, well, li- like it's like 95% Liz, 5% <laughs> Sam and everybody else. Well, okay, no, like 60% Liz, 30% Ginger Princess, yes. 10% everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Spread the love around as, as best I can. But uh, we are here again to talk about a Kiwi film. From 2016, this is uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, which again, Taika Waititi uh, also directed uh, What We Do in the Shadows, some Boy. movie called Thor Ragnarok, something like that, or Pretend as I called like it, Thor Ragnarok. Like Go on. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the best movie of the whole damn universe. Is it? <sighs> yes. Well, I don't pretty know. Pretty but... fucking special. That's all I'm going to say. I love that film. It's got Chris Hemsworth. I don't know if I mentioned I think he's hot. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm just going to give her one of these. How dare you? Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, outside of the obvious, you're from New Zealand, and this is a film that is made in New Zealand by a New Zealand filmmaker starring a cast from New Zealand. Aside from those reasons, or unless those are the only reasons, why did you want to talk about this movie today? Yeah, I mean... That is, those are the main reasons because for mm-hmm. a lot of New Zealanders growing up, we grow up with entertainment from Hollywood and entertainment from um, the UK. So TV shows and movies and all that sort of stuff. And we never really see ourselves in those films or um, TV shows. Whereas this came out and the had Taika Waititi did another one called Boy about a young boy growing mm. up in the 80s. And those two films for me were the two films that I watched. And I was like, I actually see myself in this. You know, yeah. like, no, I wasn't a poor foster kid who ended up on a farm in the middle of the nowhere, which is the plot of this film. 
But yet, some of the the themes and the stuff running through it. I mean, I I don't know about Liz, but every Kiwi has pretty much. I think most Kiwis have an experience of going to the farm, whether it's the uncle's farm or friends' uncles or whatever, and watching an animal get brutally fucking murdered. And I mean, like brutally <laughs> fucking murdered. I remember oh. being seven years old and seeing my uncle just dragging a sheep into the shed, hanging it up on a hook, slitting its throat, opening up its belly goddamn fetus came out everything like that and just running out the door and throwing up everywhere and then fainting oh, and so the one scene in this film where that exactly happens to the main character i was like this is this is my life this was my life yeah no i uh for me my oh, my dad always used to butcher sheep in the sink like we'd just walk into the kitchen and he'd just be like chopping up a carcass and we'd be like oh cool we're having lamb for dinner and actually like my little sister was really into like she really loved animals all kinds of animals and she'd name all the sheep on the farm well we had a little lifestyle block so we had maybe six sheep so she'd name them and I remember once when I was about I might have been 12 and she might have been six or something and she said oh what's for dinner tonight and I'm like it's your pet sheep curly and she was like (laughs) Oh my god, Curly! <laughs> and it was exactly like um, the the Simpsons scene, you know, where like uh, he's eating Pidgey, the lobster, yeah. and he's like, "Ah, Pidgey!" Um, nom nom nom. She was literally like that, like crying over Curly, and then just shoving this lamb into her face to the point where, uh, yeah, we've decided that our family motto is, "You don't make friends with salad." Our family's a meat eating family. You don't win and friends we were... with salad. You don't win friends, you don't with, win salad. friends with salad. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, 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 that's. You don't win friends with salad. God damn it. It's too late now. It's too late. Anyway, yes, I totally get that. Like, home killers, so bog standard. And just like, uh, I reckon, though, that the real selling point of that that film and the other films like that is is the Kiwi humor. Yeah. It's such a specific kind of humor that you just don't see anywhere else. We're very self-deprecating, but in a very dry way and a bit of a surreal way. Like, if you watch Flight of the Concords or anything like that, it's the same kind of thing where they, they offer up just sort of a weird odd statement and it's just delivered completely dryly and it's not what you expect and it's just gold like that, that is i love that shit like it's mm. gold yeah speaking of like the concords i about cried when reese darby showed up in this <laughs> oh he's amazing and he's playing a dude named sam which is even better <laughs> oh look at you psycho sam yeah you should be wearing that bush outfit actually that would be like your perfect podcasting attire that's what you should be wearing right now i, I do oh, love wearing dry. bush that's true i do love wearing bush <laughs> Oh, do you actually even own a swan dry? You're such a city boy. City boy? Of course I own a fucking swan dry. I spent every bloody summer working on my uncle's farm, thank you. Oh, oh, then that makes you such a farm kid. No, see, in New Zealand there's a real divide between city and country. And, like, city kids will always be like, oh, Liz, you grew up on a farm because you had, like, two chooks or chickens and, um, like, a pig and six sheep. And I'd be like, that doesn't mean I grew up on a farm. I grew up on a lifestyle Do you know how to share a sheep, Liz? Nah, it's I, easy. my brother used to go off. It's so easy. Well, you have a turn, and then your friend has a turn, and then your friend has a turn. That's how you shear a sheep. Great. I know. I thought that only happened in Australia. No, we fuck them and they eat them. Oh, <laughs> son. Not cool. You got to squirt that um, freely. Boy sauce. God. Can't uh, take him anywhere. But yeah, you get all these city kids going, yeah, that's a farm. And I'm like, no, it fucking isn't. You're ridiculous. So yeah, Sam, you're a city kid to me. I'm sorry. Hmm. How dare you, Sam? How dare I? Uh, so yeah, this was a, this was an, an interesting film for me to get into. I want to get in my into my thoughts on it, uh, you know, a little bit later. But uh, Sam, you you mentioned a little bit of the plot of this film. Can you tell us generally what Hunt for the Wilder People is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So Julian Dennison plays a young foster child who's sort of burnt his 
burnt his bridges and ended up on a quiet rural farm in the middle of nowhere where he's taken in by Bella, played by... Oh, wasn't Rima? Oh, fuck, I can't remember her name. Um, well, he's play, taken in by Bella and Heck. Heck being played by Sam Neill, who most American listeners will recognise from Jurassic Park fame. And oh, then, yeah. um, basically, he sort of slowly adjusts to farm life, tries to run away a couple of times, and then shit really goes sideways when Bella dies. And um, basically, him... In which, what the fuck? I know. <laughs> talk about a gut punch, eh? Talk about an absolute gut punch. This was like... Because I I, I I think the only other Taika Waititi film I've seen is Thor Ragnarok. So I'm yeah. used to his like that sensibility that he offers. Like, I haven't caught up with Jojo Rabbit yet. I haven't watched what we do in the shadows yet or any of that kind of stuff so i was fully expecting and like there was a a lot of like funny moments in like that first like 10 15 minutes like touching moments like she was really sweet about how she was so happy that she'd found him he'd been through the foster Mm. system for a while and then when she just like straight up is dead i'm like that was like the biggest gut punch i was like what the i almost messaged you sam when i was watching (laughs) i was like what the fuck yeah i think that's he likes doing that like he really embraces like the poignant sort of things in his films boys (sighs) the same you know there's this whole thing where he has the, the main character has a really dead beat dad who's actually played by Taika Waititi. And well, I guess what, what we do in the shadows is less so, but those kind of Kiwi, really Kiwi life films, I feel like he really embraces both the comedy and the sad, which is nice. I think it just adds an extra depth. It's the scene as well, and this is something I was really keen to talk about, is like it's sort of played out with Kiwi sensibilities too, whereas I find in like Hollywood films particularly, they'll have sort of a long drawn out process of her dying and final last words and all this other stuff. Mm. Whereas in this film, he's literally just playing out in the bush with his dog and then rounds a corner and then just sees Heck cuddling Bella, who's like lying on the ground. He's just bawling his eyes out. And it's like real point of view shot from Ricky. And there's no, it's just like, it just gut punches you. And you're just like, whoa, what the fuck? And then well, one of the best scenes of the film, the scene that follows it where Taika Waititi's playing this priest who has talking about, <laughs> fuck knows what he's talking about. It's like, you know, you go through two Vegetables? doors. What's on one side of the door? Doritos and chips and Fanta. I was like, what the fuck is this? It was very Korg for Thor Ragnarok. That's Korg that Kiwi humour. It was. You know, where they just say stuff and you're like, what the absolute fuck? But at the same time, you're laughing your head off because it's gold. Yeah, I-, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I found it just a little bit too preposterous for what had just happened, where you're like, you're so conflicted with your emotions, you know? Yeah. I felt oh, like, I- and honestly, maybe like I'm just I- too hardcore. Yeah. I, think I, the- I think the tone was light enough going into that like where i was getting emotionally invested in the characters and i mean julian dennison you know most of the people listening to this would recognize him from deadpool, deadpool 2. 2 that's correct yeah. he plays the, the the kid in deadpool 2 but you know that was for me like it was it was investing enough like i was invested in the characters enough where her her death really was a, a really good gut punch but i i honestly appreciated because the film could have dwelled on that but i don't think mm. this was ki- this kind of film where it was going to dwell on the sadness of that, even though you still get some of that from Sam Neill's character throughout the film, which I really enjoy. He gives a fucking hell of a performance in this movie, mm. but I, I really, really appreciated it. It's a, it's a huge swerve, Sam. You're right. Where it tries to like, it's immediately like this huge fucking left turn, like Doritos and <laughs> like all this different shit. But I appreciate that it, 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 it kind of resets the tone where it gives you that gut punch. It's like, this film's going to have some heart. It's going to have some emotionality to it, but we're going to lighten it up intentionally. So that way you're not like, this isn't going to be like a heavy drama yeah. as you go through, which I kind of appreciated YTT doing that in that sense. It wasn't as bad as Bambi then. <laughs> 
I haven't mm. seen Bambi in so long. I don't think I've seen it since God. I was like seven. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me either. But uh, that's supposed to be like the iconic mother dies, breaks your heart scene, right? It was really because that was such a touching scene. Like the scene right before she dies, like they they have that touching scene where she asks him if he's going to run away again, mm. and she's like, "Just mm. make sure you're back for breakfast." And she's like, "I'm really glad that we found you." It's so touching, and I mean, what he's able to do and what the actors are able to do in the span of literally ten minutes of the opening of the film is it completely sells you on him being this troubled kid who's been stuck in the system for too long, and finally, actually, maybe finding a home, and then it immediately flips it and upends it and it it like it's it's really really heartbreaking i i love like especially the opening of this film there are parts of this film that are probably a little bit slower for me mm. but i love the like the first act of this film i really really love it yeah one of my favorite scenes is literally that part where he walks a lap of the house and then he's just like nah fuck this and jumps back in the police car <laughs> 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 Like, that's amazing. Ben. Oh, and just like the casual fat shaming as well, like R- Rima Tuyata just being like, yeah. Oh, you hungry? Oh, of course you are. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Poor kid. Uh, you know, one of the most, one of the things that I appreciated the most about this film too is uh, Rachel House, who plays Paula. She's mm. like the, the child welfare worker yep like who is she's she's kind of nice and she's kind of unassuming at the beginning and she kind of goes on this arc where she kind of gradually descends into like this uber villain in the film and i kind of really appreciated that about her oh it's excellent <laughs> yeah she, she she was gold she's absolutely outstanding my favorite scene of hers is when she licks that plate or licks her fingers and puts it to that plate <laughs> and then she's like this isn't burnt foster kid <laughs> And the, the best part about that scene too is like she does that this isn't burnt foster kid and then the cop asks her um andy oscar uh oscar Kiley, Kiley, yeah, Kiley, yeah i'm probably not pronouncing that he he he's he's like he says something to her and then she picks up the plate like it's obviously it's just a plate with a smiley face drawn on it it's like why did you have to lick it exactly <laughs> the exactly then rifles it and then she's like look it's obviously a plate and it's like how the f- <laughs> how the fuck do you two not realize this <laughs> I liked. Uh, I, I just appreciated the bit where she was like, um, "Oh yeah, it's ten thousand uh, dollars for them, dead or alive." Oh, I mean, no, we probably want them alive. Oh, alive? <laughs> no, sorry, it's alive. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! It's excellent. Yeah. Oh my lord! So this was the film. At least it's my understanding. At least I can kind of probably work out timelines. Any timelines? Time wise? Timeline wise? Loisos, berate me. I want to see a kid get decapitated. Wow. <laughs> uh This I would assume, the, the look on Liz's face, uh, I, <laughs> I can assume that it, like it was this film, like seeing Julian Dennison in this film is probably what ended up getting him cast in Deadpool 2. Uh, yeah, so basically this film, like, there's two, two major things that came out of it. It was like Kevin Feige watched this, saw an odd couple on the run, uh, through the you know or doing whatever they're doing and basically thought yep yeah, that's perfect for Ragnarok where we're going to have Hulk and Thor on the run and they're an odd couple and blah 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 so that's how that came out of it and the other one too is uh, Ryan Reynolds who actually starred in uh, the Green Lantern with Taika Waititi not a lot of people know that and Taika Waititi and Ryan Reynolds often don't bring it up but um, yeah he he watched Hunt for the Wilder People and as Deadpool he said this is my favorite film of 2016 and so yeah from that Julian Dennison got a role in Deadpool 2. Yeah, that's amazing because he's really, really great in the film. And I mean, he really, you get that sense that he's at least, 
I I, I get the sense that he's troubled mm. but i think I, I feel like he's more troubled in a sense that he's more trouble for the welfare system and for the state than he is in terms of like what he actually does i mean we do see him commit arson in the film <laughs> and among <laughs> accidental arson fine he didn't mean to burn down the barn but <laughs> but i love his performance in the film and i like you kind of get this exhaustion of this kid who has probably been through any number like like dozens probably even at this point of of foster homes and stay homes and nothing is worked out and 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 you can only imagine like just thinking about the foster system what this kid has Mm. probably seen i feel like julian dennison wears a lot of that on his performance like even in some of the more light-hearted scenes even in some of the happier scenes like there's the scene when he when he shows up at the house and the and the guy like comes out and like there's all these scenes of like the selfies and everything with him oh yeah i don't know like <laughs> there's just a, there's just a heaviness that i feel like julian dennison's character wears throughout the film that i really appreciate about it that always even though it like there's a lot of funny stuff to it there's always that that kind of serious through line to this movie that i really really appreciate like it's got a dramatic depth to it that i didn't expect i don't think yeah yeah, no, and I really, I think, really love that about it. I completely agree I with was, you. Like, like even the conversations he has about, I think it's Amber, who's like one of his other little sort of foster child friends that he those had. Those are sad. That was depressing. But the fact that he wears it so matter of fact and like, oh, this is what happens and blah, 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 blah. And like it's mixed up with some of the other ones in there where it's like, oh, I don't want to go to juvie. Um, some kid asked for some more breakfast and he got acid thrown in his face. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, oh, God. Yeah, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think that really happened. But like, he, yeah, like even just sort of dialing it back, like he he does talk quite a lot about that, and it, it just seems so authentic and real. And you're right, it's like it's such a, I don't know, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of child performances, and but yet this one he just he crushes. Like he does such a good job of just carrying such a conflicted young kid who's like trying to make the best of a bad situation. At the, what was his background? Like, is did he come from foster care or anything like that? Yeah, he's he's like he's been through different foster families, and we discover that no, like as in the actor. Oh, the not actor. The, oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, think no, so. Yeah, that I, I don't he, know. No, he seemed quite, you know, sort of. Yeah, I thought he represented it well, and I think it was a good, like that. I really liked how they brought that theme in and pointed out that the, it is this issue that, as in New Zealand, you know, and that you can't just shove a kid in the foster system and expect him to be a round peg for a round hole. Like, I mean, I didn't mm. actually think he was that bad a kid. You know, boys are always trying to set stuff on fire and mess things up and swear. You and, don't, I don't think know. he's that bad a kid. At one point he starts loitering, Liz. Loitering. Oh my God. Loitering. <laughs> Running away from Look, things. Come on, man. He reminds a- me of different things that Sam sometimes, uh, you know, like the, they'll be crazy. I mean, of course we, we all live in 2020 now, so we all see the crazy things that are going on in the world. But then sometimes, you know, Sam will send me a link of like, what's making the headlines in New Zealand for the news. And one of one day it was like a log fell off of a logging truck yeah. and rolled yeah. down the street. <laughs> That's like, problematic, like man. News. I've literally seen a headline in the Otago Daily Times, which is um, like a south a newspaper in South Island, um, of a cat being stuck in a tree. <laughs> it was amazing. Well, there was a day there, and I made a Facebook status about this, where I went on all these major news websites, and so the British one was like um, six people indicted on charges of um, shooting during the riots, and then it was like America was like a, a truck of soldiers had been blown up in Afghanistan, and then the Australian one was like the head of police has been indicted for sexual assault charges, and then the New Zealand one was New Zealand's favorite ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, which is, I think, Blackberry Ripple? It, no, uh, it was Hokey Pokey. It was Hokey Pokey, the That's classic right. New Zealand ice cream, which is literally just chunks of caramel and vanilla ice cream. It's the most boring fucking ice cream it's you can imagine was New Zealand's favourite ice cream. It's my mum's favourite. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? You know? No, that's ridiculous. Anyway, um, <laughs> but it's it's great. That's why being a New Zealander is awesome because it is really sedate and like we don't have loads of murders and things. As much as so we've made it, so if a kid is loitering, that's very bad. As much as we've made it sound like a, the redneck country of the world where we just watch young animals get murdered and eaten. <laughs> I feel like oh, yeah. it would play much different to and, and that's why I'm, I'm really glad to have you guys on to talk about it and that you recommended for me to watch it because yeah for me this probably comes off like in a, in a completely different perspective of like they're like Paula makes repeated mention during the film of like the different bad things that he's done but then like you see the different things that he's done it is like well not well, fuck, I've done like three quarters of that. <laughs> like, exactly. It's a problem. He's just a bog standard boy. Like I've got five, well, actually I've got seven like nieces and nephews and the boys have all, you know, tried to set things on fire. Is that not standard? My letterbox is no. on fire right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, put that out. We're trying to do a podcast. Oh, nice. Lord. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah, I just thought that that was quite a good show like he wasn't this terrible kid that you know they were kind of describing him to be so it was kind of nice to see him become happy in the end like you, you rooted for him he wasn't a little shit yeah. i mean he was a little shit but he was a little shit that you could root for in the end i think he was only a little shit and like I, I, the, the primary vehicle like through like the primary eyes that you see him through though is hex eyes which is sam neil who's mm. like as grizzled as a person has ever been grizzled in a movie before. Like he's, he's, he's such a, like a, like a, an emotionally a detached bloke. hard ass. He is a or, Kiwi bloke. That is what they're all like, you, you know, like, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I know so many guys like that. It's like nice just, that you get that from his perspective, because basically that's the perspective that you see. Like whenever you kind of reflect Ricky off of another character, it's often a reaction from heck. And I kind of really appreciate that because like you like as a viewer, like I'm just like, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with this kid. But I can definitely see in Neil's performance exactly how this kid would literally grate your last nerve to its core. <laughs> and you would hate him so fucking much. A hundred percent. But then he's still there. You know, he still keeps it up. I, I actually I thought Sam Neil's performance was just excellent. Oh, I like, love him. Yes. Every nuance on his face, like he's just, he really is someone who can say so much without saying anything. And similar to Ricky as well, like his story just comes out slowly and it just sort of builds. They actually get a mm. real good understanding of him. Like you find out that he's been in jail for manslaughter, he can't read. He should get a teardrop tattoo. Yeah, he should get exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but even, like he starts talking about Bella and he's like, oh, you know, like that's why she took us in because we were complete fuck ups and that's the sort of person that she is. And you're just like, man, this is, wow, this is. Really, he obviously deep. just really loved her, eh? Yeah. It was like, and that's nice too. I like that, even though he was this Kiwi bloke and theoretically doesn't have emotions, like he actually did care so much for her and cared so much for him by the end. You know, yeah, he that's just one of my favorite sh- scenes. Maybe in showed the movie it in a too, terrible way, kind of thing. Ricky takes her ashes when when she dies. Like he has this whole thing about that's what life is. You just end up in a box and everything like that. But Ricky brings her ashes, and then it turns into that really great moment later on, mm. where you know he throws her ashes into the waterfall, and then you know yeah, it's like an offhanded like it's he's he's still so reserved, but like he he gives himself that moment where he just thanks Ricky for bringing her along mm. on the trip, which is so like there are certain moments in this movie, and I think movies like this where there's that comedic aspect and it's kept lighter. Like there's the great scenes with the, that trio of hunters that they run into a couple <laughs> of times. 
times, which are fucking hilarious. You know, but there's all those different moments of comedy and there's all those different moments where the film is much, much lighter. But every once in a while, Waititi will kind of swoop in with like a little bit of a gut punch, you know, just an emotional like there's an emotional core to this film that if this were just straight comedy, like if you didn't care about the relationship between Heck and Ricky, if you didn't care, like if these performances were if these were no name people, like if they were just like whatever, we don't care about these performances. If you didn't have the kind of almost literally cartoonish supervillain performance, mm. like for Rachel House as Paula by the end of the movie, like she's in like full fucking SWAT gear. She's a child welfare worker. <laughs> yeah. It's just like in full fucking SWAT gear on an armored person. Which in carrier. New Zealand is even more ridiculous, right? Like New Zealand, I, I think there's probably five SWAT outfits in the entire country. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> five SWAT outfits and there's one armored personnel carrier and they've used it to track down a little foster kid that's gone for a run yeah, in yeah. the bush. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, oh, here's an opportunity to use this cool sword gear that we have and um, we never use. That sums up the New um, Zealand army, man. If we got invaded, it would be over by lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> Shit got real. Was that all of them in the movie? Was that literal was that was that all of them? It probably was. That was probably oh, yeah, legitimate 100%. the entire of New Zealand New Zealand Army. We saw a helicopter, so there's our Air Force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Australia just- used to have this great ad. Or, or no, maybe it was just a video like on YouTube or something, but it was just like so New Zealand's um, t- tourist campaign, one of them is like 100% pure. So it had this uh, video that was like, New Zealand, 100% pure, 100% green, 0% Air Force. <laughs> I was like, rude. Yeah, 0% Air Force, 0% Army, 0% Navy, 100% there for the taking. <laughs> what are we supposed to do with it? Yeah, like, I mean, when we, there's no point us having a big giant army because we're surrounded by water. If anything, we'll have a giant Navy. Some of those penguins get oh, out of control. My Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody penguins! Um, yeah, I love the I love those moments though. I feel I feel like th- those are the best kind of master strokes that YTD lays throughout this film. Is you get this emotional depth to the to the character journeys that Heck and Ricky go on, and, and you know the way that they kind of grow together as characters, and they are literally the most unlikely duo. And there's still a lot of animosity between them, even toward the end of the film. But there's a depth and there's a core to those you characters. <laughs> <laughs> He's molestering me. He's molestering me. (laughs) Um, No children were molested in the making of this film. Yeah. No, there wasn't. Uh, wasn't Even though there was one part where Ricky's talking about how he had to play by himself and he wanted Heck to join in, but he didn't want to do it. (laughs) And he made me do things. (laughs) Fuck (laughs) this. Quality. Um, yeah, no, I definitely agree. This isn't just a comedy, like it's a dramedy. Like you, and you it wouldn't be the same film if it wasn't this um mix of comedy and drama. And yeah. I think um that is like I said before, I think that's takeaway TT's specialty. Um that sort of yeah, loads of light moments, but this really beautiful emotional thread, which is really nice. Talking about beautiful, I think the other standout performance in this film is just the New Zealand countryside. I mean, we've seen oh, it used God, in yeah. Lord of the Rings, but I think they use gorgeously it. photographed. Yeah, it's just it's just sensational. Although there's one well, too many like helicopter standard, shots. Like there's one too many helicopter shots of like literally a sweeping panorama shot, like coming up over a hill as a character's walking over it. Yeah, like, there's there's like th- three or four of them in the movie, and I'm just like, stop doing this. I did. I noticed stop it as it right well. Now. There's fucking tons of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just generic bush. Like that's that's to me is more what like New Zealand scenery is. Majestical. I mean, Yes, very majestical. <laughs> it's not really a word, Sam. Majestical. It's majestic. <laughs> Just saying. Um, oh fuck! But yeah, like like the bush is definitely more Kiwi to me than. I mean, we've got all those beautiful mountains and rivers and beaches and all of that. But well, I guess maybe where I'm from or whatever, that bush is that really represents New Zealand to me. Mm. 
So, so you guys, you guys, again, you guys are the Kiwis on the show. So, you know, I'll, I'll yield the floor to you. I loved this movie. This was a really, really good thing to visit for me. I don't have a lot else to finish up on with it, except for thank you for, I mean, you put Reese Darby in there and I mean, Reese Darby is probably, especially when this came out besides Sam Neill, he was probably the person in this that American audiences would have been most familiar with because of flight of the concords and things like that. Like I'd love Murray Hewitt and flight of the concords. He's probably my yeah. favorite part of the show. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm really, really glad that he only shows up in like the very, like, like the last 10 minutes of the movie. And he's, I mean, he's Reese Darby. So he's, he steals he's great the show for that kind mm. of cameo. Yeah. I almost yeah. think you only need him as a cameo because Otherwise, it'd just be it would have ruined him. this movie if you would have mm. had a character like that, or if you would have had a Reese Darby giving that performance through this entire movie. Mm. It would have been like, what the fuck? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he would have yeah. drawn away from it. No, he's excellent. Um, I'll just yield that to you guys. Like, like I love this movie, and I'm really, really glad that you guys recommended this for me to review and are here to talk about it with me. But just like anything else that you guys, especially as Kiwis, love about this film, and you know the fact that it's like Kiwi cinema, which. I mean, I don't have a lot of exposure to. Sam apparently doesn't either, according to when he was on the countdown recently, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I made up for I that think, very um... quickly. No, I mean, there was that was pretty much the reason why we suggested this is because it's become one of the more popular films that's come out of New Zealand uh, basically since Lord of the Rings. Like, There's not a lot of other films which have really transcended our boundaries that much. And so I was really keen to see what you think of this because for me personally, watching this is like... I. I like if you watch the Goonies or something like that as a young New Zealand boy, or even I'm trying to think of other like ET stuff like that, you watch them and you're like, I don't really associate myself with this because you know, it's like American kids. It's very much American, like just growing up in American cities and all that sort of stuff. You don't really see themselves in it. And this was another film like that where I was like, I wonder if Nick's going to enjoy this. I wonder if other American audiences are going to enjoy this. And we've done an episode on it. We've reviewed it. We've had some of our American listeners come back and start watching it as a result of this film. And I'm just, Mm. I'm just glad because I I do feel like this is probably the pinnacle of New Zealand cinema that we can send overseas. Other people enjoy while still being a very New Zealand film, because there's a lot of stuff in this that's very New Zealander, you know, yeah, I would. Um, I definitely agree with that. I I really like the physical setting of the film. Like, I really liked like the house that they live in originally, the the bush, the huts that they go and stay in, mm. and like um the Maori family they go visit. Like all of that just really felt very Kiwi to me, and I felt like it really represented um the country in the way that I see it. So, and that that's a big thing because you don't often see, you know a lot of the sort of especially if we have like TV or whatever, and they're set in the city. Like, that's a whole different thing, and you don't see that really rural, proper Kiwi life, and I thought that was really cool. I would also agree that this is definitely the movie for people from other countries to watch to get a feel for New Zealand, because the other one that I'd think of is Boy, but I feel like Boy is a little bit more super Kiwi and might not be as relatable or understandable. That one, to me, is super Kiwi as well, um, and the sense of humour in that is excellent. And it's, again, like another Taika Waititi one. Watch this one first and then watch Boy, so you've got an idea of what the sense of humor is going to be like yeah so for me boy is a much better well not much but it's a, a just a tiny bit better of a film than hunt for the wilder people in fact boy is probably my favorite new zealand film yeah i love boy but but you're right like i've shown it to english people and american people and it's it's easy for me to sit there and watch it with them because i can translate some of the moldy words like you know they mean they say mahi yeah, which means true. work and all that sort of stuff so there's stuff that's in there that i feel might fall flat on other audiences but even that being said, I know other people that have watched it and they've got to like, oh, it's brilliant, it's great, and all that sort of shit. And Boy, the opening 10 minutes of Boy is probably the funniest 10 minutes 
in a film that I've ever seen oh in terms of an open. It's just it's unbelievably hilarious. Like Taika literally uses up every comedic talent he has to establish these characters and what they've been up to. And even if you just watch the first 10 minutes, which you can probably find on YouTube, fucking outstanding. Absolutely fucking outstanding. What and the kids mark. in that movie too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The kids in that movie too, I think uh, another example of, of like great actors. Like uh, Ricky, is it the little, no. you know, like his Ricky's little brother. Ricky's in Hunt for the people. Uh, then what's the little boy called? In, in boy. boy. No, not boy, his little brother. Oh. Little boy. Rocky. <laughs> Rocky. Yeah, he's Rocky because he's named See, after um, fucking Rocky. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think all – and him and his superpowers and stuff are freaking hilarious. Yeah. But, I mean, we're not here to review that movie, but it is another excellent Kiwi movie. Um, yeah, well, I was just curious, though. Did you – was there anything, Nick, that you felt like you didn't guess or seemed really weird, just like the New Zealand culture or lines or anything that – or did you feel like it really flowed quite nicely? I think in terms of contextuality, in terms of, I think Sam's right on the money when he talks about this is the kind of movie that you would introduce to an international audience when you want to introduce something to New Zealand, because there's a lot of universal stuff here. I grew up in a small town. Like I, I live in a larger, small city in the United States now, but like I grew up in a small town, like I grew up in a rural area where like there's a lot of farms and like even when I worked in Ithaca as a meter reader, like that's dairy cow country. Like it's completely like just farms, dirt roads where it's like you're driving down long driveways and like, you know, just old houses and grizzled people stuck in their ways or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. So I really was able to connect to that kind of sensibility about it. And I loved it. And I think a lot of everything else, like I'm sure that there are different like little culturalisms that I'm sure you guys picked up on, or I'm sure that anybody that's, that's Kiwi would definitely pick up on that would just be like, like gone for me <laughs> that I wouldn't even know it was a reference to anything because I don't know. Oh yeah, you know? true. So, a gr- but otherwise I think this is like, I think this is something that can play even to a sensibility of, like I said, like, like anybody that's grown up in like a small town, it has that kind of universality about it where I mean, granted I didn't get to watch a pig, you know, like a boar get gutted <laughs> or anything as a kid, but like Man, I've you seen, missed out. Like I've seen animals get killed on farms and stuff like that before, though. Like I, that, so that's nothing that's foreign to me or anything like that. You know? Yeah, that's Scott Sasbro. I've slayed a few pigs. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> Absolutely, it is. <laughs> oh, Sam, you can't call women pigs. I'm not talking about women. Oh uh, God, <laughs> I don't want to know. No, you don't. God damn it, Sam. Now you're going to die. That's what you get. <laughs> Seriously, if I was there, you'd be getting a punch. Obviously talking shit. In the uh, face. W- one of the most Kiwi things that I thought you might have picked up on this, or maybe it might have flown over your head, is at one point, Rachel House's character, Paula, says to Oscar Kitely's character, Andy, she's like, give me the police. And he's like, I am the police. She's like, no, I mean the ones with guns. And so, <laughs> The real police. <laughs> and so for, so for someone watching that, like, what the fuck does that mean? But for New Zealanders, we know that there's your average policeman does not carry a gun. In fact, nah. yeah. the, only the SWAT teams basically carry guns. Or, or we we'll call them armed defenders. A bunch squad. of them. Yeah. I mean, a bunch of police will have guns in their vehicles, but they don't carry them on their person. Nah. And they'd be very unlikely to get them out. Like, guns on police is not something that we like the idea of. And they recently did an armed, uh, armed police trial, and there was quite a lot of outpouring of negativity around it. And I think they've decided not to do it now. So, right. that's an awesome thing about New Zealand. That was Yay. one of the funny things too. Toward the end of the movie, when 
they're in the they're in like the armored personnel carrier and they're chasing him down in the truck and and, and Andy says you know like an offhanded comment about his uh, his tasers in Wellington like he doesn't even have a taser <laughs> oh, yeah. on him it's booked out yeah <laughs> oh my lord you know I was actually at the police college one time and um, we walked past this group of students standing outside this gym and I was like oh what are you guys up to and they're like oh we're waiting to learn how to use our tasers and I was like sweet. I was like, can I come and learn too? And the, the tutor was like, only if you offer to be the one tasered. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then one of the other guys was like, oh, no, I volunteered. I'm going to be the one. I was like, why would you volunteer to be tasered? And the guy was like, oh, that way I know what it feels like. And I was like, oh, that's quite good for a cop, you know, agreeing to be tasered so you know what it's like. that name was Sam Hurley. Absolutely. <laughs> no, thank you. I was kind of sad I never got to use the taser though. Maybe I should buy my own. Sam could probably use go. a good tasering now and again. So yeah, yeah. If you don't think Stacy's already got a taser that she uses to keep him in line every <laughs> once in a while, it's more of a cattle prod. Figured, There's no way. <laughs> I figure she's got the death look. Like she doesn't even need a taser. She just looks at him and he's like, "Oh my god, I'm sorry." Maybe I'll it do started with ask. the taser early on, but now she just has to uh, give him the "I'm going to use the taser" look, and he just knows. So it's like Pavlov training. It is. I have See, even Sam. Yeah. Even Sam can learn. It's true. <laughs> it wasn't a taser though. It was a shock collar. <laughs> I don't want to know about your kinky sex shit. Honestly. Oh, there was nothing kinky. There was nothing sexy, and there was nothing shitty oh. about this. Oh no, wait. There's a lot of <laughs> shitty things about this, Liz. Oh, Sam, I'm not comfortable with this conversation. Neither. Oh, we got started. It. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh yes, dear. Pod Daddy. There he is. <laughs> uh, what's up? If you guys, if you guys could take a moment, so thank you, thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Um, yep. We're going to be recording about the social network as well for movie reviews and twenty Qs. So make sure, please, you go over and 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 give a listen to movie reviews and twenty Qs. And that episode, I've been on at least a couple of others. American Psycho, uh, I can't You've remember. Definitely been on American Psycho. American Psycho with Emily Higgins, literally the mm-hmm. queen of podcasting, and just I don't know. Just live stream for the cues. Another one. Just our live stream for the cues. I think. Yeah. yeah, and then the live stream for the cures, which 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 is always really really fun. Mm. Uh, we really really you know love and appreciate you guys showing up for that and hanging out. It's uh, we've had a lot of fun the last couple of years having you guys on for oh, that. Absolutely, but yeah. Please, oh, yeah, you that. know, let our audience know where they can find movie reviews and twenty cues, where they can find you guys out on the web yeah just um twitter is where we are our most prolific you can just find us on there at movie reviews in or just find our facebook page at movie reviews and 20 cues so i've watched the social dilemma recently on netflix and i'm not that don't ever want to use fucking facebook which is quite convenient given that we're about to do an episode on the social network with this wonderful man nick <laughs> i have a lot to say about facebook at the moment but i'll save that mm-hmm. for another podcast um alternatively yeah if you want to listen to our episodes just search movie reviews in and your f- podcasting app that'll probably be the first one to come up but if you need to add more to that just type two zero as in as in news the numbers don't type out the word 20 just type two zero and you should be able to find movie reviews in 20 cues and it's really good so you better it is really really good I, absolutely one of my favorite shows must listen every single week whenever an episode drops and you know it just it gets really contentious sometimes it does <laughs> so, those are our favorite does. episodes i know actually yeah i thoroughly recommend for anyone who's seen tenet to listen to that one because oh we had some things to say oh unless you liked it in which case i definitely do not recommend this podcast oh we've had a few nolan bros tell go we've had a few nolan bros tell us to go fuck ourselves liz don't worry about that Yeah, i have no <laughs> doubt on that one because my god did i rip it apart <laughs> I know, <sighs> I, so I haven't seen it, but I know Justin has. I have no idea what Justin thought about it, but I do know that Loy Sauce apparently 
not a fan. So, Loy Sauce, what do you have to say for yourself? Bitches can't get enough of my stuff. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Loy Sauce. I miss our canon movie series. But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, so yeah, please, please, please check out movie reviews and 20 Qs. If you haven't already, you know, Sam's been on the show before. They've been part of live stream for The Cure. We love them. They're both absolutely, absolutely amazing. Like I said, I'm the biggest fan of Liz. Not so much Sam. Aww. I really only like Legit. the show for Liz. Same. I have to suffer through the Sam. <laughs> like when it's just Sam Kahumachu, it's like, God damn. <sighs> but then, Imagine the amount of know. editing that goes into that one. <laughs> yeah, like fuck all. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need one of those episodes uncut. Just for, my own, just for my own edification. Please. Make sure you have uh, soap but- and water to wash your ears out afterwards because it's horrifying. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Look, we love you too. This has been awesome oh, to yeah, be absolutely. on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan I of your actually, show, Nick, as well. I mean, I, I listen to you guys every week when you guys put an episode out. Absolutely love it. And it's been an absolute delight to be back sharing a mic with oh, you. I God, fucking love it, man. That, was, that wasn't me. That was Christian. Sorry. I think you should feel very honored in that this is, I think, the first podcast that I've guested on. So you oh, took my I am extremely podcast honored. guesting virginity. I am extremely. So we started the episode with she wants to sleep with me above everybody else. And now I'm popping her cherry. That is if, if you're ending an epic film guys episode, especially ladies and gentlemen, there is no better way. That's a lot of cum. Thank you. Lord. So, so for, for myself, for Sam, for Liz, thank you again, both so, so much for being on the show. Of course, Justin, wait, we haven't even heard from Justin this whole episode. I know all of you listeners are out there jonesing. Hang on, here he comes. He said that he sucked the blood from the penis and put the balls in his mouth. There we go. Uh, for, for Justin. Do you have anything on that soundboard that isn't about dick? Let's be my favorite soundboard. No. <laughs> Seriously, like, she says that, but I mean, I'm looking through it and it's like, like 95% no, no, that's percent dick, of it. That's dick and that's dick. I'm I'm pretty sure our show is about ninety percent dicks and ten percent movies, but I'm comfortable with the balance that we've struck. I'm okay with it. It's, it's, right. it's good. It, uh, for also our our beautiful beloved god of podcasting, or I never realized this when I nicknamed him, or I guess he nicknamed himself the god of podcasting, but I never realized that the acronym for that would be GOP. So I'm always <laughs> going to refer to Loy Sauce now as the GOP. Nice, because he loves him some GOP. <laughs> <laughs> And Colby Mack, ladies and gentlemen, Cheers, thank you so, so much, everybody, for listening. Until next time, we will see you at the movies. This episode is brought to you by the Epic Film Guys patrons, our amazing producers and executive producers who pay us to do the show that we love to do. Mr. Duty Dutrum, Patrick Sherwood, Andrew Filoder, Dan Brennick, John DeQuilla, Alan Gallarisi, Brandon Frederick, Kayla Brownlee, Scott Lavar, Robert Moreno, Julio Oliveira, Daniel Henderson, Drew Hallam, Deb Kinney, Chip Moore, Chris Maltesos, Rob Trevino, Ken Maney, Brady Cloven, Justin Winners, Paul Prezula, and Gerald Morris. 
And a very special thank you to our top-level patrons, our executive producers on the show. Chris Yaney, Bill Sutton, and Destruction in Human Form, Jared Taylor. Thank you all so, so much. And we'll see you at the movies. Hey, buddy, you going to eat that sausage? There we go. Uh, That's a very relaxing sausage. It was a very relaxing sausage. Oh, I forgot to take the time out to say fuck you to Wayne Aruzu for saying this movie's shit. God (gasps) damn it. Yes. That's rude. When we recorded that top 10 episode, yeah, that is Wayne. And then I listened to his featured review of it and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? He's like, oh, it's not funny. It's not dramatic. It's not fucking. I'm like, oh, this is the guy that says that The Saint is his favorite film. So, (laughs) yeah. Where's he from? Oh, Australia. He's part of the Countdown Oh, podcast. well, then no fucking wonder. He, he once said that Australia. Saving Private Ryan is the seventh best war film of all war films. <laughs> <laughs> Beaten it's by, like, Enemy specific. at the Gates and The Last Samurai. <laughs> Shall I stop? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, cool. <laughs>